Hi, friends, and welcome to the Midwest Mompreneurs Podcast. I am your host, Katherine Snellen, and each week I am going to be sitting down to share honest conversations, real resources, and the tips to help you navigate motherhood and building a business at the same time. Let's be honest, it's not an easy journey when you want to do both, but it is possible. Let's get to it. Hi friends, we are back today with another amazing guest interview. Today's mompreneur just blows me away. This is the first time we've ever gotten to chat and I feel like we connected on so many levels. She's incredibly impressive in so many ways. So I'm so excited for you guys to listen into Emily Williams. She is one half of Boss Project, which is formerly Think Creative Collective, which has built an empire when it comes to comes to marketing strategy online for business owners and entrepreneurs. They really have done so many amazing programs, which we will dive into how they built their online business and grew it so, so quickly. Um, In addition to that, Emily is a mom to a sweet girl who she adopted. And we touched on that story a little bit, but one thing that I think is really interesting about our conversation is how she realize when she became a mom that she had to set boundaries. So we talk a lot about boundaries in this conversation. In addition to that, being a mom sparked Emily to kind of explore some other creative passions of her beyond her very successful and very profitable business. She decided to start creating and making art, which led to these beautiful handmade clay earring designs, which she sells and also helps coach other Etsy earring makers as well. So she is really one of those people that does it all somehow and is at the same time very honest, genuine, and keeps it real. She's someone that always loves to give other mompreneurs advice and tips along the way. So I'm so excited for this conversation and for you to listen in. I'm excited to chat with you today, Emily Williams. Um, I feel like I know you, but I don't know you. We're going to have to meet in real life soon. Tell Mm -hmm. us who you are, your story, there's so many layers to it. There's so many layers. This could be a, like a seven hour podcast episode if we wanted it to be, but I'll give the short version. So I'm Emily Williams. Um, I have two businesses. I'm here in Kansas City, Overland Park area. Um, my business partners, Abigail Pumphrey, I think you had her on your show earlier this year. So you guys might be familiar with her. We co-founded Boss Project, formerly Think Creative Collective. It's an online marketing education company. I come from a background of uh, photography, branding, graphic design, service-based business. Um, I've been in business for myself since 2011, 2012, when I graduated college. Um, And then I recently, um, like last year, started a product business, a handmade earring business. Um, And that's doing its own weird thing over here. So there's a a little bit of me that's intertwined with being the co-founder of a, what feels like a a big small business. And then me just being like little creative director of this tiny, but really cool earring company on the side. And then I have a three and a half year old at home and yeah, trying to survive (laughs) and thrive at the same time. Aren't we all? It's been a crazy year. Yeah, that's me in a nutshell, the short version. Yeah. And you really, you jumped right into entrepreneurship. You didn't even really like, I've listened to your story on your podcast. There's so many great episodes there, but you were like, this is, this is what is meant for me. So I didn't mess around. I, um, I grew up with, you know, being in a family of entrepreneurs in, in different business capacities, but my mom had her own business. Um, cleaning houses for decades. And she also is a jewelry designer, has her own business and has been doing jewelry since I was very young. So I grew up both in like entrepreneur world. Here's the thing that helps pay the bills. And then here's the side passion project that maybe I can turn into something that pays the bills. And so, I mean, I've been helping in a studio or a business of some capacity since I was like six years old. Um, my dad had his own business. I think the first job I ever got allowance for was uh, collating paper on like a collating machine. And so I'm just, I'm in it. This is what's normal for me. I'm one of the very, very few immensely lucky people who 
has family that's super, super supportive of going out on your own and starting something and trying new things. It's not to say they were ever like nervous for me, but, um, but they did it too. And so when I graduated college, I actually was headed to grad school and walked away two weeks before grad classes started because I was like, what am I doing? Like I hated school. I wasn't good at it. And uh, as you begin to know me, you'll know I don't I don't do anything I'm not going to be really, really good at. And so I don't know why I wanted to torture myself with more schooling. So I left, I moved in with a family, like a lot of us do, and just tried to figure it out. So I worked part-time for a while. And in the midst of working part-time and then my boyfriend moving, because I moved back home to Oklahoma after I graduated from Mizzou, um, my boyfriend followed me. We got an apartment. We got engaged. We bought a house. We got married. So in the midst of that, I was just kind of figuring out what I was doing. Um, I started kind of charging for photography. That was what I had done forever. And it was what I could, I knew I could start with the quickest. And we talk about this all the time in Boss Project, right? Of like, if, if starting a business is, if getting paid a for doing something that you like, it's generally something that you already know really, really well how to do. And so instead of just reinventing the wheel, I was just like, okay, people can pay me to take pictures. And so I kind of dabbled in that. And as I say dabbled as in I worked part-time and then I charged like $50 and didn't really take it seriously for a good like two years and was just like, oh, this is fun. And I had like an easy scenario where I was lucky where everyone in my life was supportive, but it was almost a crutch. I feel like that I used to just be like, I'm just playing and I'm just seeing, and I'm just like, I'm going to blog and then I'm going to take some pictures and I'm going to try this. And so I don't know, finally I had this moment. My husband was just like, listen, you can like do what you're doing, how you're doing it forever. That's totally fine. Like you might have to also have a full-time job and we'll just figure it out. But like, if that's how you want to treat it, cool. I think you can take it more seriously. And I think you could actually make money from this if you, I don't know, tried and like made it like a business. And so I think it was like 2013, end of 2012, 2013, I started learning more about just like selling and marketing. And, and I had been convinced for so long, like I know so many of us are that if I just get better at the thing that I'm offering, like if I get a better camera body, if I get a better lens, if I get better at editing, if I get better at posing, then I can insert whatever here, charge more, then I will get more clients, then I will be taken more seriously. And that's BS because none of those things will happen if you also don't know how to market or don't know how to sell or don't know how to land clients. And so I had, I had to just like get out of my brain funk for a while and just be like, okay, it's maybe not actually about being the best photographer. It's about like, can like selling the thing that I want to sell and like make people feel good about an experience and like want people like to want to give money to me for this thing. And so I started learning about in-person selling, the psychology behind buying and selling, and just different aspects that you can create in, in a client experience in general that enables you to charge more and have your clients loving it. Because I was at a point where I know so many people get where you're not making that much money and you don't really like the clients you work with because they're not paying you that much and they don't seem that happy because there's not a whole experience. There's not a whole like package that they're getting. So it's like a lose, lose, lose situation. And so you're at the point where you're like, okay, well, this sucks. <laughs> and so I, I'm clear, I'm either not good at this or people don't want to pay me for this or whatever it might be. But I was like, maybe let's just tweak a couple different things. And so within two weeks, I, I had a $75 client where I was just shoot and burn. He like, take your pictures. Here's your CD. Goodbye forever. It was a weird, awkward, like, I didn't feel like I got to know them that well. I didn't really know if they even liked their pictures because we weren't talking about it. It was a really weird, like disconnect feeling. So two weeks I spent learning about in-person selling and marketing. And I bought um, like a slideshow tool for an iPad. And I, I had like my Nana bought me an iPad for, to do this. Cause I was like, I don't have any money. Can you do this? And let's see if this works. So she bought me this little iPad mini, got a slideshow app. Um, I got like pixie set so I could put up my photos online. I got, um, like I printed an album of just photos I had taken of like my family just to show them what it looked like. I ordered canvases and print samples and like iPhone covers and a court, like samples of just products. So it all came in, 
went to my next, very next appointment and like treated it like I had been learning other people were doing. And I walked out of that family session with a $2,500 check and they were crying and they loved it. And I loved it. And it wasn't about necessarily the money, which was also really cool, but it was like, oh, oh, this is how like a service-based business actually should feel. This is what serving like actually means when you really impact people and change their lives. You feel good about what you did. They feel good about what you did and it's not about the money. So after that, I was like, okay, how can I do more of this? Yeah. And you have scaled the business so much. It's actually insane. And I've said this before, but I've known Abigail for several years. I think we met in 2012, 2013. And so to see where she went, because she and I have similar paths and being service-based entrepreneurs where we were providing a service and getting paid for the service and marketing, which is a lot of work and sometimes not a lot of return. Mm -hmm. And then to where you guys have built this like huge online, I mean, (laughs) it's massive. Yeah. Like how did you get from being a service provider to where you're at now? Yeah. Well, I think my natural tendency and and luckily Abby shares this too, which is why I think it, it helped us transition a lot easier. Um, we, we both truly love teaching and I don't know if we were even really realized that, but it started coming up for me even before I met Abby where, so I learned about in-person selling and then like the next photographer I met who was still doing shoot and burn, I was like, okay, try all of these things and let me know if this works or if you change this thing. It was just this word vomit of like unsolicited advice basically. And they would either take it or they wouldn't. But I was just like, I'm obsessed with, also talking about how other business owners can do exactly what I did, exactly what I've learned and see the same results in their business. And so even before I met Abby, I had made a photography course called Pricing for Profit and it was specifically for photographers and it was about in-person selling. That was it. It was like four modules, learn how to in-person sell, increase your prices, increase blah, blah, blah. Did a webinar for it because that's what I was learning in the marketing space at the time. Even though I didn't have an audience of photographers that were following me, I I had clients and it was like a personal Instagram slash clients. So like it wasn't a whole mess of people, but I still had people register. I still had people show up and I still had people buy. And so I was like, okay. And so every, I, I, I call this like proving concept and I still do it today. And I talk about our students with it all the time. It's like, test the idea before you like make it a big thing. And if it works, even if only like, so nine people bought my first course ever, that was the big deal to me. Like I didn't have that many followers on Instagram. I had never done this before. I didn't have an email list, but nine people were like, I see value in this and I'm going to buy it. And that to me has never been like, Oh, only nine people bought that to me is like, if nine people buy 900 people will buy, how can I make that happen? And so I just started like, okay, how can I shift? from service space to this. So then literally like a month later, Abby and I get connected through a Facebook group and she was wanting to host a webinar. Webinars were like super a thing in 2013. And I was like, girl, not only are you going to host a webinar, but I'm actually going to do it with you on my platform. You're going to co-host it with me. You're going to add some of your brain to this course and you can be an affiliate and like, I'll split 50, 50 commission on this course with you. And she was like, okay, (laughs) I don't know why she did that, but she did. And so we did the webinar and we loved it. And so I think from there it was like, okay, well, what are we doing to actually like work together and make money? And for a while, for like nine months or so, we just did clients stuff. And then we would host a webinar and sell that same course. But at the end of 2016, um, I was basically like, if I have to pick up this camera for a client one more time and edit photos and do this whole process, like I'm out, like, I just don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And so very quickly we transitioned to selling digitally and there was definitely like a, a lull, like there were probably better ways we could have made the transition, but we did it. And that was in January of 2017 when we stopped clients altogether or 16 anyways, can't remember, but it's all bleeding together. Um, but we started just making products. It was 16. Yeah. Made products kind of use 16 as our like, I don't even know what we like to make, what offer we, a membership or a course, a high-end course, a multi-module, group coaching, one-on-one coaching, like what did we want to do? And so after that year, because we also spent a lot of that year blogging and just growing our audience in general, which definitely helped, 
But in 2017 is when we created both our signature program and the program that we're most known for, which is Trello for Business. So most I have. Yes. It (laughs) is like the gateway drug to everything that we have. And that really, it helped kind of put us on the map for like, no, we're here. We know what we're talking about. You can get really good, small, but actionable wins with us. Like, let's see what else we can do. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So many good things there. And the fact that you realized so early on that you didn't like the actual doing of the work that you liked the teaching and not ever, that's not going to be for everyone. everyone. I think I am that weird person that actually enjoys working with clients. I like that balance. Um, I like, the, I don't know, I guess I like the reward. That's probably a whole other thing we could dig into. But. Well, and that is exactly the opposite of where I came from. It I tie too much, and I've gotten better at it lately, but I tie too much of my self-worth with my clients' reactions or success or excitement over the thing that I'm delivering. And so if I read into any sort of the processes, they didn't like what they got, I really got hung up on that. And so it was almost for my mental health that I, I could not, I cannot do one-on-one where I don't do one-on-one coaching because it doesn't feel good to me. And I can't do one-on-one service stuff because it doesn't feel good to me. And so it's a really interesting dynamic of like, that's not where I get my validation. It's, it's, in the, it's in the masses of like, please like me and validate my, and buy all of my things, which is exactly where you're coming from just on a one-on-one scale. Yeah, yeah, we're like the complete opposite. And I've taken like strength finders tests and all those things. And, but that wasn't really around in 2013. I, I mean, for me in 2013, I was just like, I'm trying this and I'm doing that and figuring out how to scale within working with clients. So it's just so funny because it's linear, but at the same time, opposite experience. Um, yeah. But the point is like figuring out what you enjoy and what you don't enjoy and how can you monetize the thing that you enjoy, right? Yeah. And, and I think it's a little bit of both. So like, so I started with service-based business, not knowing that I didn't necessarily enjoy it, but I knew how to do it. And so I think that there's, there's the first phase of starting a business where I, because a business isn't a business until you're getting consistently paid, in my opinion. And by consistently paid, I don't mean you're just making money and putting it in your business savings and then you're not paying yourself because you're nervous about it or you don't feel like it's enough. I have paid myself from day one. I follow the 50, 50, 25. Abby taught me this, where I pay myself 50% of the profit. I save uh, 25%. Yeah, 50, 25, 25. I save 25% and then I, I pull 25% for taxes. And so you know all of your bases are covered. You're good to go. But I have paid myself from day one. And so I really encourage a lot of people to do that and really wrap your head around why you're not if you're not yet paying yourself. Um, don't live in the space of just building up that savings because A, you have to pay taxes on that. And I'd rather you get paid. So anyways, um, but I don't know where I was even going with this, but yeah, pay yourself. I also think um, there's something about creating that, you know, no like, and trust we all talk about when yeah. you have done the work. So yes. when you start selling to photographers, you've already had the experience of being a photographer. Now in 2020, everyone wants to be an online business educator, yeah. course creator. That's kind of like the, the hot ticket item because of yeah. everything we're experiencing. But I'm seeing people who are jumping into being social media course creators when they haven't even managed the social media account. And it pains me because I'm like, I have been a marketer for over a decade. You have no idea what you're talking about. So like, it's kind of that nice transition of doing the work and then seeing how you can help people along their journey, right? Yeah, you you have to walk the walk. And I feel like, yes, there's so, even our students, so many of them are just like, I'm going to start a course. I'm like, cool. Why? Like literally what do you know? And it's not that you don't know anything. It's that I think we're all disillusioned with the fact that you could sell a course when you only have like 10 people in your, in your network, in your audience. And selling a service is so much easier with so little people because you can charge more for a service than you typically can for a course, especially right off the bat. And I just like, I don't want business to feel like you're like pulling teeth to get a sale. And I feel like so many people who start with the one to many model before they've tackled the one-on-one model, it's, it's just going to be a longer road. It's going to be slower 
you're going to make less money initially, and it's going to feel like you're working very hard for every sale. And I would just rather you not live in that zone. Like that doesn't, that's not fun for anyone. And so we always like hands down encourage, we have a tagline within boss project is start with services, start with services. It can be anything. You can be cleaning out people's closets. I don't care. Like that's a service. Like you can meal plan, you can nanny, you can teach, but as a one-on-one -on -one capacity, right? Start with services. And what you learn in that not only is about literally what you like offering and how you like delivering and showing up, but who you like working with, what, what do you actually know? What are your, um, your methods, your workflows that you integrate into your process that maybe you could teach if you want to? I feel like there's so many things that get spit out from that journey. And that journey might only need to be three to six months for someone until you know, oh, here's what I could actually offer. But I'm, I'm encouraging everyone to start there because as, even as scary as that seems to be working one-on-one -on -one with someone and, okay, but where do I find that client? It's a lot easier to find that one client who will then lead you to more clients than it is to make one course sale that will not lead you to more course sales. Yeah, that's a good point. That's, that's so good. And I also, um, I am not a course expert at all, but I did launch a course in the middle of COVID because I had a panic attack. I was losing clients because I had clients in hospitality, so lifestyle, retail. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit, I've got to make some money. And what I did was I just took packets of training that I would give to my clients and bundled it up into a course. Yes. And I literally did it in like 48 hours and recorded yeah. some audio and I sold 30, which was great. Right. My goal was 10. And so oh. it was a great way to just like make some quick income yes. in a really scary time. So yes, 100%. They're there. They're there to help you pivot. They're, they're there to help you in time crunches. They're not there to have you start a business with. Yeah. So, so you built this huge online brand, which you guys really did focus on the community. You put, so I remember I've listened to the podcast and I remember seeing it come together, but you were blogging daily, or at least Abigail yeah. was blogging daily. You were creating insane content for social media, um, lots yeah. of free value driven content. And then it's just continued to grow. And where is boss project at now? Um, Boss Project feels really good right now. Um, Boss Project got a facelift this year. Uh, we, we like everyone else, you know, go through seasons of this is how we've been making money, but we don't like it or it's exhausting or whatever. Right. And so we need to switch it up. And then there's the lull of you in the transition of switching up. Like we went, I think our first year of Boss Project, we were launching every two weeks. We would have a webinar every two weeks that sold a course. We would rotate like between four and five different courses that we had every two weeks, a different course, every two weeks, a different course. And it was exhausting. It worked, but it was exhausting. And eventually like audiences grow and shift from being sold to in that way or that often or in that style. And so it's not going to work as well. So you need to pivot and you need to figure something out. It's not necessarily that the product is wrong or the audience is wrong. You just have to mix it up. So then the next year it was like, okay, how can we have bigger launches, but further apart? Let's spend some more time priming people. And so that was the year of doing challenges and summits and really big like growth spurts for our audiences and then really big launches. And it was great, except the lulls of not doing a big launch when you see just visually like all of this money coming in in this month and then not that much money coming in in this month, it doesn't feel good. And so a lot of business is just trying to identify like, okay, but what feels good every day in business? We realized we were chasing like the launch high and we were feeling only good about ourselves when we were selling things. And I didn't like that. And I didn't want to continue. Neither one of us wanted to continue to run a business like that. And so the beginning of this year, um, we had some conversations at the end of 2019 where it was just, I think we're both kind of at the same point where we were with clients where it was like, if we continue to go on the route that we're going, if this is the only way we can be successful, we don't want it. Like I don't want it. 
And I think that was a really huge eye opener for us because the way that we had been doing business for about a year and a half was the way that like every single one of our peers was doing business. And it really felt weird to step away from that and remove ourselves from that circle of success and intentionally be like, no, I don't, I don't want to do it like that because it doesn't feel good. It didn't feel good to us. It could feel good to other people. It just didn't feel good to us. So in 2020, we were like, okay, how can we simplify? How can we cut? How can we work less and make more money? How can we be more focused and have more energy to like think about our business and not necessarily work in it and feel like we're having to fix something or strategize something or brainstorm about something. And then I don't know, maybe can we have something of our own on the side? Cause both of us had also acknowledged, obviously we love each other. We're in business. Like literally we're killing it. We're the best business partners in the world, truly. And we wanted something for our own outside of boss project. And so 2020 came is when we launched the creative template shop. So this was now our third attempt at a membership. And we're like, we're going to make a couple of tweaks. We're going to do this. We're only going to do this, whatever. Right. We had our signature product still, which is strategy Academy. It's been around since 2017. It's like our premium, um, serve or premium course. It takes you literally teaches you how to start a business, start and grow. And then we have Trello for business, our low price, easy. Yes get you addicted to everything we offer. Cool, cool, cool. So like just those three things. And we told ourselves, we're not making anything else this year. It's just these three things that are already made. We're not going to like tweak and pick apart everything to death. We're just going to like, let it be. And we're just going to see what happens. And 2020 has been the best year yet. Like feels so good. Uh, profits are up. Uh, expenses are down. <laughs> we, work less. <laughs> we are feel more focused. We're more excited and passionate about what we're putting out there than we ever have been ever before. Our team is killing it and it has enabled us to focus on outside projects, which are also doing really well. That's amazing. And it's like such a testament that sometimes less is more focus on yeah. oh, oh. one or two things. I feel like always less is more. I yeah. know the lesson now. We, have to, we all have to learn it again and again, but I think yeah. women I don't know. I, I was the same as you where I started my business so young. And so I felt like I was constantly having to prove myself, constantly trying to be the first in my market to be ahead of the trends, ahead of the curve. 30 under 30. <laughs> yeah. Which didn't happen because I passed that, but you know, like kind of like that constant hustle and like what's happening. Yep. How can I be, how can I get on this trend? How can I do this? How can I do that? And like when I, for me, it was when I became a mom, I don't know about you, but then I was like, Nope, I don't have time for this. I can't handle it. I'm exhausted. I need to focus on the things that like literally like gut check, gut check, feel good. I'm excited about, I can spend my like five hours a day that I have if even to focus on. Yes. Well, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, so Penny was born in 2017 and in January and it took still that year because that year we were that's when we were doing our really big launches and then we were still launching a time just sitting here like the first two years of her life it was like what was I doing like literally why um so I definitely think it took me longer to get there Be I mean we had so many systems built in and we did have a pretty big team and so I think for the longest we were just like we want to do all the big things so then we just need another team member and another team member well, at the end of the day then like it just jacks up your expenses it makes us like okay we have to make I mean literally got to a point where it was like we have to make $75,000 a month to like break even to like even pay ourselves. And it was like, oh, I don't like that. I don't like feeling like that. And it's so much pressure. And so eventually we were just like, I can't with that. Like I can't. Yeah. Yeah. And you want to have people that are working for you that are not only you're, you're getting a return and some, like it, it's adding value. Yeah. It's create, you know, it's creating less work for you, less stress as an entrepreneur. Yes. Um, yeah, I get that. I'm a small team kind of girl. I, at one point thought I was going to be like the agency because that's what I knew. Yeah. And I had the fancy office downtown and I had tons of different people working for, for me and, 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 yeah. out. and I was like, nope, not for me. Can't do that. Um, yeah. but same, it could have, we talked all the time about how if we had stuck with clients, it definitely would have been like a big agency thing. 
um, we had talked about having our own office, like studio space. When Once I moved here, because we lived four hours apart for the first like two and a half years of our business. And so once I moved closer, we're like, okay, we're obviously getting a studio. We're going to do this. And then I got here and it was just like a month went by of just like staying at home. And then six months went by and we're like, we're good. Like, honestly, we're good. Like, yeah. we don't put on pants now. We'd have to put on pants to leave. So. And it's funny now with COVID because everyone's like, well, we can all work from home. Here we are. Yeah. And I remember because yeah. I got my office downtown in like 2016, 2017. And I was like, oh, I've made it. I'm yeah. successful now. None of my clients wanted to come visit me there because they wanted me to come to them. Yes. It was an expense that I didn't. I mean, it was nice getting out of my house, but I also yeah. didn't have my son at that. It, it's oh, not God. worth it. I would rather yeah. spend that money in outsourcing specific. Yes. Tasks. Yes. Well, what's funny though, is now I am exploring having a space outside my home for earrings. And so my studio is throwing up in my entire house. I'm lacking space. I'm lacking ventilation, like for what I'm working on. And I really want to have like, you know, some in-person aspects of shopping and wine nights and whatever, which luckily like because of COVID, like the pressure is off of figuring that out right now, um, because it wouldn't even be a thing. But I think that's kind of my next, maybe I'm going to try that out and see, um, the, the, the downside of that, which I've, I've had to just kind of work through is I know I would still have an office here to do stuff like this or work late at night. Cause I do a lot of my creating after bedtime and I'm not going to necessarily want to drive up to a space. So I'll have like double the equipment, double the supplies, but that's maybe a next spring thing to explore. So, yeah. So tell me like why the earrings, how did that even, cause you had this successful, like hugely profitable business, huge yeah. audience. Like you kind of have everything that the entrepreneur wants. So then why do you start making earrings? And I still earrings? wasn't happy. <laughs> but then Story you start making earrings, which is a complete, like a complete opposite, which I love. But yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so I'm an art school kid. I have a freaking art degree from Mizzou, you guys. <laughs> I don't know why, but I do. And so it's in my second nature, first of all. Um, I was, like I said, I had grown up in a studio with my mother, very like putting together bracelets, assembling jump rings. Like I was very familiar with the industry. So, so there's that. Um, but it was after Penny was born that I was like, cool. So I'm a co-founder of this thing. I'm a wife. I can be a friend. I'm a mother, but like, what do I have? Like, what is just mine? What can someone see? And that's like, that's her thing. That's it. And I'm like, okay. So we had a cute sunroom at our old house and I went to the basement and dug out like all my old art supplies from college. So I got out, you know, all my acrylics and oils and blank canvases and old dirty gross canvases and just like played and I played for like a year and a half and I just like painted and I sold a few prints sold a few paintings but it was definitely something where I was like this isn't it but I'm gonna keep doing it because it feels fun this isn't it but but mate and I didn't even have anything of like oh it could turn into like literally not at all so then we moved from that house to where we are now and we of course packed away all the supplies and I didn't literally paint, sketch, draw, jot down anything for six months, like six whole months. And so I finally got the itch again in spring of early spring of 2019. And I was like, I don't know if it's painting, but I want to get my hands dirty. I want to do something. So I found like a Pinterest tutorial on how to make like a polymer clay, like keychain or something. I was like, oh, this is cute. And so my mom, who's, you know, super crafty and artsy, I'm like, let's go to the craft store. Let's get some clay let's figure it out and so she had all the like components needed so we we just literally bought some clay and messed around one weekend in my dining room so we like had it spread out in the dining room and then she left we we're done with the keychains and I just like left it there and then like the next night I came in and like made something and then I like looked up a tutorial on how to do some technique and then like the next night came in and made something and I just found like every night I was wanting to go back to just like learn something new and try something new and what can I do and it was so fun it was so fun and so Brian was like, cool. So like, this is our dining room and you have an office. So you need to move this stuff into your office. And so I think at that point where I was like, Ooh, 
I'm going to choose to dedicate my boss project office that I only do boss project things to also include earrings. Like, is that what I'm doing right now? So I literally went and got another desk because I needed to like keep them separate. And I had my boss project desk and then my earring desk. And it just kind of like became a thing. So that was in like March ish of 2019. And then I'm like, kind of posting behind the scenes. So then it was August where people were like, I, okay, I like want to buy some from you. I'm like, no, that's not a thing. So I finally, I don't know. It's like, okay, sure. So August 18th of 2019, I listed my first pieces for sale and I sold out and then I made more and then I sold out and I made more. And I was like, what is happening? And literally it's been that ever since. And it's been so fun. I've, I've just, every time I talk about it, it, it's come from a place of truly like literally just what feels fun. I have set zero goals with it, zero expectations. It just, when it does something cool, it does something cool. There's never anything that I've like done or put out there where I'm like, well, that was a huge mistake because it's all just for fun. It's just an experiment. And I think like, we can't have, it feels really difficult to have that same kind of no strings attached energy to our business that we're starting to help, I don't know, pay our bills or put food on the table or send our kid to school or pay off student loans or pay for a wedding or whatever it might be. So it's really hard to have that like, oh, I don't care what it does because it's like totally fine and it's for fun because it's not like you're wanting it to be something serious. But if we can kind of channel like an ounce of that energy into our business that's helping pay our mortgage or our rent or whatever, it's, it truly pays off more than you think. And I think it gets you in a, in a really good headspace. I think you come up with better ideas in that headspace. I think you, your passion shows brighter through that headspace. People are more excited for you in that headspace. It's so good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So good. And I, I don't know about you, but I remember when I launched, so I always had one account and it was my business account and professional and branded and beautiful and all those things. And I would occasionally mix in personal content. And then when I got pregnant, I was like, I need to have a personal account because I don't want everyone seeing my pregnancy updates and all of that sure. stuff. And, and I was so nervous to start something of just my own and be my own person besides my business, because I was my business for so long. My hobby was yeah. my business. My life was my business, my income, yes. everything. And so I was like, oh my gosh, will my clients think that I'm not focused? Will they think that I don't yeah. put as much energy into my work? Like, yes. did you experience any of that? Oh, 100%, 100%. And I think often, especially the very beginning, I really, really voiced probably like just annoyingly so how much I was just doing it for fun because while that was true I didn't want our boss project audience our team that we pay money I didn't want anyone to be like is she bouncing like what is happening right now and I didn't want Abby to feel like that either even though we've had conversations about it so I think for the first easy six months I was like this is just for fun like it's not it's not a thing like don't worry about it. it's not a thing and it still continues to be the side thing that's her fun, even as it gets bigger. But I think people realize now, oh, it actually makes you a better person at Boss Project. It actually helps you come up with new ideas for content for Boss Project. It actually gives you a completely different perspective because we hadn't ever been in the product world ever, ever. That was one zone we had never tackled with Boss Project, but yet we have product people in our community. And I'm like, oh, now I can talk about shipping, packaging, a customer experience, like taxes in that sense, like Shopify, like all the different, the whole new world opened up to me. And so I feel like people, it took people, not any, no one literally said anything, but I can imagine that it took people a minute to be like, wait a minute, like, are we good? Is this still happening? And for them, them to see that they honestly, Boss Project and Earrings continue to grow together, yeah. I think is really cool. Well, and so I sound like a creepy stalker, but I know your stylist <laughs> and I know my, your photographer is my photographer, but hey. uh, um, you recently did a photo shoot and you integrated Boss Project and the Earrings, which is so yeah. cool. Yes, we did. So yeah, we wanted to do that. And I was like, Abby, like we need to be getting some like you know, just headshots of ourselves and single ones. I was like, bring, cause she has her own wellness brand on the side. I'm like, bring stuff to do for that. And like, when we earn a cute outfit, we'll do cute stuff with you and me together for boss project. And then like you do yours and I do mine. And it was so fun. It was so fun. Yeah. I love it. So tell me like, 
I feel like we've talked so much about business, but how has motherhood and like you had a unique experience because you went through adoption. Like how has all of that played into your life as an entrepreneur? Um, it's, it's really interesting because, you know, adopting, I, and I didn't, I was never pregnant and then I didn't deliver. And so there was definitely the, like, I mean, I hosted a webinar the morning before she was born. So there's that there's definitely little, little intricacies of like my, my workload is truly just different because of like the physicality of it all. Um, and then after she was born, we also looked out and my husband's company provides four months paid paternity leave. And so he was home for four months, which like just isn't a normal thing for people. I took off leave. But again, since I wasn't like having to heal, I wasn't going through the same. I was going through a lot of the same things, but not all of them. Um, I was able to kind of jump back in a little bit sooner than maybe other people. Um, And since I know this about myself, just because I work from home doesn't mean I want a kid at my feet while I'm working from home. I know that works for so many people. And like, literally, I don't know how you do it when you do it, but we had to do it for 16 weeks this year. And I was like, what is happening? But she, we put Penny in, in an in-home sitter situation at four months. So like right when my husband went back to work the next day, I was like, cool, where can I take you? So it was just this, like, I it's again, it's like, it's for my mental health. I feel zero guilt about it. I am a better parent, a better business owner, a better person when we play our different roles that we need to. She loved it. Great experience, whatever. So she's been in school since she was four months old. So I think that's something that, I don't know, that we do a little bit differently because I know so many people, so many women who want to start their own business so they can stay home. And I get that. That's a whole other like version of this. Ours just, I already had the business and then she came. And I know that's similar to you where you yeah. already had the business. And so I feel like I, I come at it from a little bit different angle, but you know, I, we talked about this a little bit before we hit record when, when Penny was born, I, I've always been someone who can, I have an opinion. I share my opinion. That's not surprising to anyone. Um, but I didn't really like confrontation ever. I didn't really like having hard conversations with people. I didn't really like setting boundaries. I would just like kind of skirt out of a situation if it made me uncomfortable. But after Penny was born, something clicked in me that was like, oh, I am now the queen of setting boundaries and like letting people know what they are and identifying what they need to be for myself and for my family. And something just shifted to where it was like, here's actually how this is going to go. And I'm not working after four because I go pick up my kid. I'm not working on weekends. Like just because she's napping doesn't mean I'm working. And so it was very clear for a while where I was just like, oh yeah. And like, also I feel literal zero guilt about it. So I think she helped me really identify what I really wanted. Cause I was like, I mean, both Abby and I would say we were workaholics before Penny was born, like 100%. Um, and then that shift like totally shifted. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that so many levels because we started, we hired a nanny when Ford, my son was four months too, around that time. I went into it crazily because I think so many women have this mentality that they have to do everything and they have to do it perfectly. And so I went into it thinking I'm going to manage my six figure business at home. I'm going to manage my employee. I'm going to be a full-time mother that is breastfeeding, that is doing all the things and I'm going to do it perfectly. And I quickly realized, nope, not happening, not happening at all. And so I was like, we're hiring help. I don't even care. I don't don't even care. care we're figuring it out. So, I mean, it's no matter what you do, as long as you're happy, I think that's all that matters because it was a mental health thing for me too. I was like, I, your kid will not be happy unless you're happy. Like you can be doing all the things that you feel like you should be doing for them. But if you are miserable, it's, it's pointless. It's literally pointless. And I was chatting with, um, so a good, a good friend of mine, she's an avid earring customer. I'm going to pull up her Instagram just so I say it right? You might be following her. So it's mother, like a boss, Kendra. She's incredible. Um, but so she, she talks all the time just about like dismantling mom mentalities and thoughts and myths that we tell ourselves. And so today she did a post that said talking about mom guilt doesn't mean that dad guilt doesn't exist, but until the day my husband is asked repeatedly how hard it is to leave his babies to go to work each day, it's not the same. And so I, 
DM, I commented on there and privately had a conversation with her because every time the conversation of mom guilt is brought up, I feel guilt because I don't have mom guilt. And I literally never have, like ever. And I've gone through some weird spirals of like, do I not have mom guilt because we adopted? Like, is there a missing like connection there that I'm supposed to have that isn't there? And I'm like, okay, no, my kid is obsessed with me. Like this is, that's not a thing. And so it's a really weird season of as soon as you step into a healthy boundary and recognition, then you automatically want to step back into the cloud because you feel like you should. Yeah, that's so interesting because I think I've had it both. So I I can see when I am getting out of control and I'm like, no, I got to set the boundary and it's hard to do. And if you've never known how to set boundaries before, like once you start doing it, it feels really good, but you're also like, wait, am I supposed to do this? (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I, especially now with where they're at, because they're both in that like toddler phase, they Mm -hmm. pick up on everything. So if I if I send my son to school and he has a great day and then I can be Mm -hmm. fully present with him when he's home for that chunk of time Mm -hmm. before bedtime. And then if I have to work later again that night, I don't feel as, I feel like I at least had a a great present experience with him that day. Yes. You know, quality over quantity versus when he was at home and I'm like trying to do a million things and I'm getting nothing done and I'm cranky and like. Yeah. During, when she was home for 16 weeks at the start of all of this, she would she would come over and literally shut my laptop. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And I think that may have been my first, like, do I feel guilty about this? But it was just one of, I'm like, girl, I got like, it's a work day. And like, I like, this wasn't a planned vacation. So (laughs) there's stuff I still have to do. So we figured it out, but yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a weird thing. And they, they pick up on everything and Penny's the same way. We're like, our household's kind of the same way where she walks in the room, like super grumpy, had a bad day at school. I'm like, Oh God. Okay. How can we turn this evening around? Because I don't want every night to be like, Oh, when's bedtime? When's bedtime? When's bedtime? Mm -hmm. It's not fair to any of us. And so trying to shift that. And, and, but I mean, it's still hot. Like last night I literally was crying in bed last night because she made me feel like such a bad parent. And we just had a meltdown. We were leaving, um, my husband plays softball on Thursdays and we went, we only go to one game a season because it starts at six 30, her bedtime's at seven. And I know it's going to be a meltdown when we leave, but I was like, okay, we'll go to this one. Cause they normally like start at seven. And for some reason, last night it was at six 30. And so we go and she's doing great. Everything's fine. And like, I, I, I knew it was going to be a thing. So I pulled out all the things that I know to help make the leave better. I'm like, I'm giving her warnings. And then I have surprises in the car. And then I brought her baby doll and like all the things, but they weren't working. And she like threw a toy out my face and I'm like, okay, in front of people who don't have kids and the collective. So it was like, she threw the toy and I knew it was going to happen. I know what exactly what's going to happen. She throws the toy. And then these two people who are standing right here just go, Oh, Whoa. (laughs) And I'm like, so we're going to go. And I'm just not addressing this right now because I'm not going to punish her. Like, I know why she did it. She's, we're an hour past her bedtime now. Like we just have to go and it's going to be a fit the whole way. But then like, I got home and I just like holding it in for her and then getting, I was in bed and I just crying was just like, they probably think I'm a bad mom now because I like didn't punish her enough, but like I kind of picked her up abruptly. So maybe they thought I like abuse my child now and like all of these like ruminations. I'm like, oh my God, I need to go to bed. It's so funny too though, like because we were the first of our friends and I'm the oldest in my family to have a yes. child. And the, once people have it, the child later, they're like, oh, I get it. I'm so sorry. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm like, keep your side eyes to yourself because your kid's going to melt down in Target just the same Yep. and tell you she hates you. It's fine. Well, Emily, so like what is kind of to wrap this conversation up, I feel like we could talk for hours. Like what is kind of like on the horizon for you? What is exciting things that you're looking forward to? Um, well, we have, you know, same old, same old going on at Boss Project and we intentionally kept it that way. Uh, it feels really, really great. We just released it. If any of you guys are like super into just hearing the numbers behind a business, we do a profit report every month and we just wrapped up our July profit report. And some of the stuff we shared in there, we're, we cut expenses from last year. Expenses are down $100,000. Like I can't even believe. Um, and revenue is up 40%. 
And so all of that feels really great. Um, so we share a little bit more behind the scenes on that. We do that every single month. We've got some really cool stuff. We have a brand partner with Dubsado. So if any of you guys are client-based businesses, like service-based, please, please go check out them. We're doing some cool stuff, I think closer to Black Black Friday for them. Um, we release templates in the shop. I know this sounds like 87 plugs for everything <laughs> we've got going on, but I'm legitimately so excited about what's coming. So we have um, templates that we release the second Tuesday of every single month for Creative Template Shop. And they're just downloadable templates you can use for marketing or for your client process and literally everything in between. And we're already thinking ahead for holiday. And, and those are like Canva templates templates, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Which is so easy to use. Yeah. You one click download, it opens right up into your Canva account. You can add in your own photos, just change the text and literally be done. You can change it to your brand colors. Like every element is customizable. It's so great. Um, you can buy one-off templates or you can become a member, which is the best bang for your buck. But we have holiday stuff coming out in September and I'm so excited. The templates are going to be so cool. They're so cute. Um, the shop, I've got mystery boxes coming. I've got a new idea that I think is going to be so cool that I cannot wait to produce. I've got a maker community that I have for, if you just want to make with me just for literal, just fun, you can join. Or if you're already a, a maker and you have your own business or want to start or grow, there's a tier available for you. So hang out over at Emily says, my name is spelled weird. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. Um, or you can go to Boss Project and both of our handles are listed there. Instagram for both of us or where you're going to find what's coming up soon. Um, yeah, we're just like, keep doing the things, but not adding on the things. And it feels really good. Yeah. I love it. Oh my gosh. Such an inspiration. And I love hearing that you are managing it all somehow. I, not I all like of it. <laughs> not all of it. I'm managing most of it. Yes. You're managing what you want to manage. Yes. Yes. 100%. <laughs> Well, I appreciate your time and your thoughts and your energy and your ideas today. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on. This was fun. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Midwest Mompreneurs. I'm your host, Katherine Snellen, and I appreciate you so much. Let's keep the conversation going on social media. You can follow me on Instagram at the Catherine Elise.